You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. D-Mendy joined by my co-host, Baby Huey, TGFBI champion and prospect guru, Michael Richards. Mike, how's it going? Doing good, Mendy. Glad to be back to talk some prospects with you uh, after a little layoff here. Starting to get back into things. Uh, it's nice to be able to kind of look at prospects without the pressure of having to set lineups and figure out which streamer to put in each week. So, Looking forward to doing this with you the rest of the offseason. That's right. Yeah, we had a couple of things go on the last couple of weeks here. Uh, Mike was trying to finish up his TGFBI season, and then I had a power outage last week. So there's just a mix and match of things, but we're here, and we are ready to still give you guys a bunch of great prospect information. And today's episode, we wanted to dig into the Arizona Fall League standouts. Tons of great standouts going on right now during the AFL. And it's really exciting because we get to kind of see the early look at some of these guys for next season and them kind of building up hype towards maybe some players we'll talk about early on in the season getting promotion. So it's a very exciting time. There's a lot of players looking. I got a sneak preview at the guys that Mike came up with for this list. A lot of them are familiar names uh, I'm definitely familiar with and some that are a little bit lower low key, but guys that definitely deserve your attention. And let's kick things off here. I wanted to go to this guy first because I think he's been getting a lot of buzz around the prospect world and even I think to some that just follow the, the big leagues and just hear this name. And that's Matt Mervis of the Chicago Cubs, who right now 38 plate appearances in the Arizona Fall League, hitting over 300, four home runs, nine RBIs, and just honestly carried over what he did at the end of last season as he rose through three different levels of the minor leagues. Mike, I feel like this could be the starting first baseman for the Chicago Cubs next season. Agreed. I was going to say that uh, everything seems to be lining up for him to be the favorite to start at first base next year. And I think people who don't pay attention to prospects a lot might not know him yet. And it might that might be reflected in his draft position. But if you're capable of getting an everyday player at first base, you know, later in your drafts, that's definitely something you want to consider. He was he had a great season, you know, up to the, through the three levels, as you mentioned, one of the top home run hitters in the minors. He, I didn't really pay much attention to him early because he was in high A as a 23, 24-year-old, but he carried that production to the upper level. So this is definitely someone I think you should target in like draft and hold type leagues in the you know coming months. Anybody that has a shot to win a job out of spring training is definitely someone that catches their eye, but Matt Mervis has been tearing up the minor leagues. Again, last year we talked about him going across three levels, 24 years of age, 36 homers, 119 RBIs in the minor leagues last season and a very manageable 18.5% K rate. So Matt Mervis is definitely a name you need to keep an eye on, as well as this player who took a long time to kind of live up to his prospect hype, but he's now finally delivering in Heston Kirstad of the Baltimore Orioles. 67 plate appearances in the Arizona Fall League, hitting 381, 412, 698. He's got five home runs, 17 RBIs, 
And kind of, again, as we mentioned, it took a little bit of time to start delivering on that prospect hype, but he's finally there and he's joining a, a bunch of young crop of Orioles prospects that are hoping to make the big league sooner rather than later here. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, this is a pretty big prospect or he was, he was picked second overall uh, back in 2020 and injuries have kind of slowed him down a bit, but he does have plus uh, raw power, at least average speed, you know, average hit tool. So, I mean, he's a, he's a good well-rounded player. I don't think he's got superstar upside, but he would be up in the upper levels right now if not for the injury. So uh, he actually leads the AFL in plate appearances. So the Orioles are definitely focused on getting him some time. I think he's going to cruise through the upper levels next year and he's definitely part of their future. I think he's going to be a starter for them. I just don't think he's someone like a Gunnar Henderson type level or Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, I agree. But he, again, so definitely somebody that you should keep an eye on, even if he doesn't have that same type of upside that those guys do. But somebody to do keep an eye on what he's doing in the AFL and potentially what he could continue into next season. Two Minnesota Twins prospects we're going to go back to back here, starting off with Edward Julian of the Minnesota Twins, a second baseman. 51 plate appearances, hitting over 400 in the AFL. He's got four homers, 10 RBIs. And on the season... In double A, had a 300, 441, 490 slash line, 17 homers, and 19 steals. Uh, this is someone I don't think we talked about too much this past season, and someone that's a little bit lesser known than the first two guys we mentioned. So, talk to me about Edward Julian. Yeah, Julian, I think at this stage is one of the more underrated prospects overall. I don't think he's got huge upside, but he's also one of those guys where the stats and the scouting grades don't add up. He's projected for a below average hit tool and below average speed with above average raw power. And I think he's just a better player than that. He's been productive at each level throughout the minor leagues. He's been a little older for the levels, but still you can see the numbers there. This guy knows how to hit. Uh, he's done this type of production, as I said, at a ball high A and double a, I think he's a good target. Uh, like we were talking about with Mervis, it's, it's much less defined. He hasn't been up in triple a yet. But this is one of their better prospects uh, in the upper levels, and he's got a decent fantasy skill set. Again, I don't think it's a huge upside, but I think he's good enough the bat where he's going to become an everyday player down the road. Yeah, and I would love that too. He's a big Twins guy here. Uh, they've kind of, you know, between Polanco, who's had flashes, and obviously we have the, the batting champion and Luis Arise, uh, but. We could use some more middle infield depth, so that's a guy that I'm excited to see if he could potentially add that in the coming seasons. Another Twins prospect, and he was, I would say, the crown jewel of the Jose Barrios trade, and Austin Martin, who's uh, another shortstop prospect for the Minnesota Twins. They also, of course, have a Royce Lewis there. 51 plate appearances, a 457, 544, 588, or 587 slash line. In the Arizona Fall League, he's got nine RBIs and seven steals so far. And this is carrying over from a 34-steal season in AA in just 406 plate appearances. Austin Martin, what do we think his kind of upside could be in the big leagues here, Mike? Well, Austin Martin's tough for me to analyze because he was an early draft pick as well. I think he went number five to the Blue Jays or maybe even number two. And he hasn't lived up to the hype, is in the especially in the power and hit tool. I mean, the hit tool actually is really good. Let me start with the positive 34 stolen bases with a 13% strikeout rate. 
is is very encouraging. That's a great foundation to look for. But when you hit two home runs in over 400 plate appearances, that's a concern for me, especially for someone who's projected to have a plus hit tool. Uh, Austin Martin's uh, value has taken quite a hit over the last year, I'd say, in the prospect circles. There's still a chance for a bounce back. As I said, the, the stolen bases and strikeout rate show that there's potential here. But I don't think you can say he's going to live up to the to the original hype that he came with when he was drafted because he was viewed as a guy who could be maybe even a 2020 threat down the road. And, and I don't think he's going to get to that level of power, but, but he has a good enough hit tool to where if he finds the right coaches to unlock it, you can get double digit home runs with 25, 30 steals. And, and that's a good player. We look last season, 11.6% walk rate, 13.3% K rate. Is he someone you think just becomes a prototypical leadoff hitter in the big leagues? I mean, that part of it looks good. It's just, if, if they're okay with him not possessing any power, uh, yeah, he takes walks, he doesn't strike out a lot, and he can steal bases. So from that perspective, I just think the reason his stock has dropped is because people saw him when he was drafted as a more well-rounded type of player that was going to bring more power than this. I mean, we, we look at a lot of prospects. Two home runs over a full season is really low. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about as low as I think I've seen on anybody we've brought up on this show. And maybe I, I, I wonder if there's, like you said, you bring in the right hitting coaches, maybe they unlock some more power there, but that, it's going to need some work. Two home runs and 406 plate appearances is not getting the job done in that category. Let's move on to a Colorado Rocky outfielder that his name has been talked about through the Twitterverse, and many know him already. Zach Veen, and looking really good in the Arizona Fall League, a 396, 483, 521 slash line. He's got 13 steals, nine RBIs, and had a little bit of a disappointing season, I think, from what we were expecting of him in 2022. But the Arizona Fall League is looking like that maybe we're buying back into some of the hype and what he could do for this Colorado Rockies team. Yeah, I mean, people who follow prospects know Veen at this point. He did have a down year when you look at his slash line overall, especially from the power perspective. You know, and I've said this before, he's got a big frame. He's going to get into more power. This is a guy who could even hit 30 home runs once he's fully matured. The thing that's surprising for me is how well his speed has just continued to translate. He wasn't supposed to be able to steal bases at this kind of rate, and I don't necessarily think it will hold up long term, but I do think he's a legitimate stolen base threat. I You have to consider him as a plus plus speed guy at this point. And so when you got a guy who's capable of stealing over 50 bases in the minor leagues, who's who's going to tap into power and has an 11.8% walk rate, and he's only 20 years old in double A, uh, this is a very high upside player. And like I said, we just haven't seen the full extent of what he is. And if he does get into this power, like I'm suggesting, and maintains the speed, you know, the sky's the limit for someone playing in Colorado. Yeah, and he's from another crop of great prospects in this Rocky system that we talked about many times during the call-up main part of the season here. And hopefully he carries this these AFL standout batting lines so far into next season where he can keep building up that prospect cred that we grew to know so much for Zach Veen. But another player that's had a lot of cred for a long time, and he is the cover boy for this video if you're watching on YouTube, Jordan Lawler of the stacked Arizona Diamondbacks farm system. In 47 plate appearances in the AFL, a 278 batting average, 
four steals, two home runs. And he had through three levels or four levels in the minor leagues this year. He's only 20 years old and went through four levels of the minor leagues. Absolutely bonkers. A cumulative 303, 401, 509 slash line, 39 stolen bases, 16 home runs, 12.4% uh, walk rate. I'm so excited for Jordan Lawler, and he's going to be part of this next wave of Diamondbacks to really change that major league team here. Did nothing to deter us from buying into that hype. Absolutely. I mean, anyone who follows prospects at this point knows Jordan Lawler. He's been one of the huge risers. He's a top 10 prospect, maybe even top five in some eyes. He's got number one overall potential. Um, you know, once once uh, Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll graduate off lists, it's a debate. It's a toss up in my mind between Jordan Walker and Jordan Lawler for number one overall. Uh, I think Lawler's speed is more legitimate. Uh, Walker probably has more power, but uh, they're both great players. Lawler is going to be a big part of the Arizona future. I think he's got early round redraft upside, uh, possibly in a first round pick. I mean, I think he's that special of a talent if it all comes together. Uh, so if you have Jordan Lawler on your team already, I'd just continue to hold on to him because he's he's could be special. Yeah, I'm really excited for him. And any places you have him in Dynasty, like Mike said, you're just grinning ear to ear with the way he's developed over the last couple of seasons here. This next player, former number one overall pick and one of this these great young catching catchers that are now coming up through the big leagues. I think this is as an exciting time for catchers as I remember ever seeing. Henry Davis of the Pittsburgh Pirates, 39 plate appearances so far in the AFL, a 303, 444, 545 slash line. He's got three stolen bases and six extra base hits. And he also rose through four levels at age 23 years old this past season and still delivered a pretty decent 10 homers, 42 RBIs, nine steals, and 8.2% walk rate to 20% K rate. Henry Davis, one of the most young up and exciting catchers here. Mike, tell me a little bit more about Henry Davis. So yeah, no, uh, former number one overall pick in 2021, advanced college bat at the time. Uh, Fangraphs actually has him for a below average hit tool. I, I think that's a little harsh. I think it's at least average, possibly could get to above average. Uh, the big selling point for him is his double plus raw power. I think that's going to be a, a big factor once he gets to the major leagues. He looks to me like he's the future catcher for this team uh, as soon as next year. I think we saw Pittsburgh's relatively easy with their prospects. They don't really push them very hard. You know, O'Neill Cruz, they held back for a while. And seeing them push a catching prospect up through four levels in one season suggests to me that he's in their, in their near future plans. I think he'll debut next season. And I'm not sure exactly how much he'll play or how effective he'll be, but he's he's got that pedigree. So if you're looking for catcher really late in drafts, you could do a lot worse than going after Henry Davis. Yeah, and again, he's one of the great... We talk about MJ Melendez. We talk about Adley Rutschman. We talk about Jay Langoliers. I mean, you could go on and on. He's definitely in that group. And Mike doesn't like to give timelines too often. And he said as early as potentially next season. So that's something to keep an eye on. And even in your redraft leagues, when you're you know, picking in 50-round best ball leagues or a 50-team draft and holds, these are... Uh, that's the type of player that you maybe you can grab as, you know, a third or fourth catcher and get him at the end of your draft. And he could deliver really great catching production for you. This next player, a Boston Red Sox, Nick York, middle infielder, second baseman, 
a 345, 444, 517 slash line and 69 PAs in the AFL, 15 RBIs, and actually looking pretty good compared to what he did in his high ace 20-year-old season here where he batted only 231 and had 11 home runs, 8 stolen bases, 25.2% K rate, a little bit high there. Mike, are we thinking maybe he could have turned a corner with what he's been doing in the AFL so far? Yeah, I I do think Nick York's struggles this season have a lot to do with his injuries. I, I don't know the full extent of them, but I know Chris Clegg has been talking about that on Twitter quite a bit. And I think overall prospect analysts jumped the gun a little bit with Nick York. I don't think his upside's quite as high as some people thought. I still think he's a really good player and a good prospect. I think he'll be a longtime major leaguer, starting second baseman. But I don't think there's a lot of speed here. I think there's decent power. He's got a good hit tool. Um, but this isn't a special fantasy prospect in my mind. If you're into Nick York, and there are, there is a group of people who really believe in him and really like him a lot, uh, you know, you can get him from someone who's who thinks more of it like I do at this point. But uh, it is encouraging what we're seeing in the AFL because it's a more of an accurate representation of the player he is uh, this season. You know, it's not like I think he's somewhere in between what he did this year and what he did last year, which is a really good player, but n- not a top prospect. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's not always the top prospects, but some times it's the guys under the radar that we need to make sure we take notice of. And it seems like he could be one of those players that just to uh, watch for next season and see how he continues to hopefully progress and, and maybe do better from this injured season he had in 2022. We have a Detroit Tiger next on this list in Colt Keith, a third baseman slash second baseman for the Tigers. That's necessarily putting up too many eye-popping statistics so far in 46 PAs in the AFL, but still hitting 361. And in high A this past season, had only 216 plate appearances at that level, but batted over 300, gave you nine home runs, had a double-digit walk rate. And I think we've talked about a couple other Detroit Tiger prospects, but not necessarily too much Colt Keith. For for those that might be hearing his name for the first time, what should we know about Colt Keith here, Mike? Well, Colt Keith is someone that I've actually liked quite a bit uh, going back to the draft last year. He was a, a player who pitched, I believe, and played offense in high school, a two-way player, and he started focusing just on hitting. And I don't think he gets talked about a lot in fantasy circles because of the below average speed. But he's got a really good hit tool. I think it's underrated at above average. Uh, And he's he's starting to tap into power. The numbers don't jump off the page because of the 216 play appearances. That's due to injury as well. Uh, I don't know the full extent of that. But a a 150 WRC plus for a guy who is a teenager to start the season, you know, he doesn't strike out a ton. Like I said, he is getting into more power. This to me is probably the Tigers' number one prospect, at least from a dynasty perspective. Mm. And, and so, uh, when you look at it like that, you know he doesn't get talked about a lot, and he may not be like you know number thirty overall on a pro- on a dynasty list. But this is someone I think you should go after because I think he's got an advanced bat, and I don't think it's going to take him long to move through the upper levels. So, just to for clarification here. You have him as the top Tigers prospect over guys like potentially um, obviously that model. There, there are other guys that have come up, but we have, you know, Jace Young. We have 
Peyton Graham. These are hitters that are ranked higher than them, according to a couple lists here. Uh, you have them over both those guys. Yes, I would right now. I do like Jace Young too. Uh, I probably have them in a similar range. Uh, I mean, I haven't. It's been such a while since I've done an actual list, but but Colt Keith is a top hundred prospect to me, and there's no one that's coming off the top of my head right now that I would put ahead of him in the in the organization. Okay, that's fair enough. And just again for some top Tiger hitting prospects, Jace Young, Peyton Graham, Colt Keith. There's also Ryan Kreidler. And Isaac Pacheco, those are the top five hitting prospects kind of from a couple different sources I'm looking at here. Next player, we talked about some big guns, and this guy might be the, the if you're talking about guns, he's the AK-47 of prospects here. He's, he's the big dog. Jordan Walker, the prospect that the Cardinals would not part with to get Juan Soto. And so they obviously <laughs> really high on, on this guy, and rightfully so, the third baseman. For the St. Louis Cardinals last season at double A at age 20, 306, 388, 510 slash line, 19 homers, 22 steals, 128 WRC plus, and 51 plate appearances so far in the AFL. Kind of of steady 283 batting average, three homers, 10 RBIs. But this is one of, if we're talking about top prospects in baseball, his name is flown or floated around in there, Mike. I mean, this, it seems like his, the sky is the limit for this kid. Yeah, absolutely. And those numbers in the AFL don't necessarily jump off the page, but when you consider that he's in a lot of cases, three years younger than some of the players we're talking about, uh, this is, this is really encouraging stuff. And like you'd mentioned with those double a numbers, that's a great season, especially from a player who isn't considered to be a, a huge speed threat. He continues to outproduce his stolen base tolls compared to what the scouting grades say. I just really love this this kid. I think he will lose some speed as he ages, but I see a four-category monster. I think he's a potential cornerstone player in Dynasty and for the Cardinals. I think the organization loves him. And like I said earlier, he might be the number one overall prospect once mm-hmm. Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. So just uh, if you can get your hands on Jordan Walker, I would suggest doing so, even if you, get, you have to pay up a little bit. Uh, this is a special talent, and he's proven it at every level throughout the minor leagues. Can't wait to watch him in the big leagues. Hopefully maybe he can get a taste next season and kind of give us that like Corbin Carroll taste where we're like, all right, next season, this is the uh, Jordan Walker breakout. Uh, So I would not be shocked to see him potentially get some time next season for the cards. Agreed. This next player we've talked about before on this show and has obviously a good prospect pedigree here in Mason hour of the Tampa Bay Rays outfielder. This past season, a 290 batting average and over 500 plate appearances, 48 stolen bases to go along with 15 home runs. And he's kept it up in 53 plate appearances so far in the AFL, six steals, a 260 batting average. Mason Hour right now coming from high A as he finished his age 21 season. What's the outlook for this future, Ray? Yeah, I mean, this is someone that actually slipped under my radar until one of our guests brought him up uh, later in the season. And as you see on the screen there, the 15 home runs and 48 stolen bases with a 134 WRC plus around a 20% strikeout rate. That's all good stuff. The hesitation is it's all been done in a ball, but uh, transferring this success to the AFL is a good sign because he is facing some pitchers who have been up in the upper levels. And, and really, you know, the slash line doesn't jump off the page in the AFL, but you know, there aren't many guys who have 12 runs and 12 RBIs with six steals. It's just a, he just has a fantasy friendly skill set 
I'm not sure how quickly he's going to move through the Rays organization because they're just so loaded and they don't do everything the same as every other team. But I do think this guy is going to be someone that we're going to want on our fantasy teams down the road. And I think this is a good time to target him because he doesn't have a ton of hype attached to his name yet, despite the the success. Yeah, he's definitely one someone going a little bit more under the radar. And there's obviously a lot of other great Ray prospects that we've talked about on this show. We talked about Taj Bradley. We talked about Curtis Mead. We talked about Carson Williams, I know. And, and so he's definitely one that's kind of fallen a little bit under the radar. And uh, maybe that's where he likes it. So more of them for people that like you and other people that have brought him up to maybe kind of get him while he's cheaper and he's not as well known to everybody. So Mason Auer is a game, another name again to keep an eye on as he rises up through the minor leagues, which takes us to our last player, somebody that is on the World Series bound Philadelphia Phillies, Johan Rojas, an outfielder in their organization, finished his season at double A where he did have 62 stolen bases even though he only batted 244, very manageable 17.8% K rate. And in 50 plate appearances in the Arizona Fall League, a 310 batting average, 13 steals, five extra base hits. And he's going to be joining a great culture. He's going to be joining a great team when he eventually gets up there. And he's got a lot of skills that could fit really well with that Phillies team. Yeah, Johan Rojas is a very interesting player. As you mentioned with those stolen bases, I mean, that's... He's one of the best stolen base threats in the minor leagues. He hasn't quite got into the power. He does actually have plus raw power, according to Fangraphs, with an above average hit tool and double plus speed. So just from a scouting grades perspective, his upside is a top prospect. And he's it hasn't quite come to fruition outside of the steals overall. But it's just, it's just nice to see him putting it together right now in the Arizona Fall League. He's made his way up to double A. This isn't a super old guy either. He's still 22. So a toolsy, raw kind of guy who's just showing flashes. I do think his speed is so legitimate that he's going to have value in fantasy leagues, even as a part-time player, like a Bubba Thompson type of guy down the road. But if he can tap into the above average hit tool and plus raw power and hold on to the speed, I think this is going to be a huge riser down the road. I, I would love to to see him keep making his way up here and, uh, right now, still a, a top five or so prospect in the Phillies organization that's dominated from good pitching that they have coming up, but he's a position player to make sure you keep an eye on as well. Well, Mike, that's it. 12 AFL standouts as we sit here today on October 25th. Uh, I want to first shout out all the great work that Mike did, not only to give you guys tons of great analysis, but the time he took to make the graphics for all of those players and just to be able to give you guys, again, a breakdown of these guys moving forward here that's all it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and dedication so if you guys really want to make sure you show mike appreciation make sure you follow him on twitter at mp richards 1981 and make sure you like and leave a comment below how much you appreciate all the effort and time that mike's doing to make sure you guys are educated with your prospects uh, but mike anything you want to plug to the people before we get ready to sign off for this episode uh, yeah, actually, I just talked with Eric Cross recently, and I'm gonna start start writing again for fan fan tracks. And you know, I'm still kind of recovering, honestly, from my season. Haven't got uh, active yet on social media, but uh, I'm I'm excited to get going with everyone again and become a source that everyone can look towards. Uh, and yeah, so look out for my articles starting to come up again, and our just our continued uh, podcast here because this is a big part of what I like to do too. So. 
looking forward to next week. Next time we can talk. That's right. We'll have tons of great topics this off season. We'll do, you know, division previews. We'll have, of course, a minor league baseball player mock draft. We'll have to organize that and get that taken away, but there'll be tons of great call up content that we'll try to bring with you weekly, but if definitely if not every week, will you guys know we'll be here tons and tons throughout the off season. So uh, if you guys enjoy the prospect talk here on triple play fantasy, make sure you give the video a like, make sure you leave a comment below for the algorithm and make sure again, you follow Mike on Twitter at MP Richards, 1981. I'm D Mendy and we'll catch you all next week on the call up.